And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, it's Andy. Thank you so much for listening. Do not forget to subscribe to this podcast, rate it, and review it. We love the five-star reviews. We also love constructive criticism. What can we do to make the show better? Love to hear it. Wanted to give a special shout-out, though, to the Houston Cougars. Welcome to the 2020 college football season, Houston Cougars. We talked about it last week. We were going to fire the confetti cannons If the Cougars and Tulane kicked off on Thursday night, as I speak, the Cougars and the Green Wave are playing. So welcome to the 2020 season, Houston Cougars. You tried five times to have your season opener, and now you have played a football game. So congratulations. I am not telling you who won the game because it's not over yet, and I'm not going to make our producer, John Hayes, stay up all night to produce this podcast. But Congratulations, Houston. We've been waiting for this one, and I know you guys have been waiting a long time, and welcome to the season. We have a jam-packed show for you today. Ari Wasserman joins. We're going to talk a lot of numbers. We're going to talk some big games, Red River, desperation for Texas and for Oklahoma. We're going to talk Miami-Clemson, which is an, an exciting game in the ACC. We're going to talk several quality games in the SEC You've got a measuring stick game, Tennessee-Georgia. Figure out where Tennessee is, win or lose. It's going to be very intriguing. Also, can Georgia get ready to play Alabama after they just thump Auburn against a good Tennessee team? And Florida heading to Texas A&M, where if the Gators explode on offense the way they have most of this season, this could get pretty hairy for Jimbo Fisher in College Station. But first, before we talk about any of that, I have to pay off a very, very foolish bet I made last week. Okay, Ari, it is time for me to pay up. I... I made a bet. I, I, I made the wrong decision. You tried to warn me, and I, I messed up. I thought incorrectly that Pitt was legit. And so I want to apologize to the North Carolina State Wolfpack because I said that they would lose to Pitt, and they, they did not. I want to apologize to Pitt fans for jinxing their team by saying that they would certainly win because you should never think that Pitt will certainly win. In fact, they win when you think there's no chance they'll win. Ari, you uh, have decided there's going to be a punishment for my insolence. I think that you decided about there's a punishment. Just to be uh, to be clear here, I know that there is some resentment coming on your end for me picking the biggest spoon and everything that you have to do right now. You mean this monstrous foot long it looks spoon bigger than it did in the picture i'll give you that it looks like a shovel you gave Ari. it as an option but the eating of mayonnaise i didn't think you'd actually pick it of course i would why wouldn't i this is a uh, shock therapy <laughs> that it is that it is all right so i guess i have to do this at some point now I, i'm gonna uh, we'll, we'll tell you how we're setting up here so you've chosen the the mayonnaise it is duke's mayonnaise they sponsor a bowl game we had a whole episode about it with Ryan McGee. Uh, listen, for those who don't know, mayonnaise to me is the most disgusting food product on the face of God's green earth. It tastes like despair feels. When you get it in a sandwich that you didn't ask for, it's just, it ruins the entire sandwich. It is awful. It is the devil's pomade. This is why we're using this for shock therapy. So I, I've got the Duke's mayonnaise that, that Ari has, has told me to get. Uh, I've also got some chasers, Ari. Um, I got a little bourbon here. 
I, I figured that would probably erase the taste pretty quickly if I need I to. I was very curious because the one thing I'll give you credit for, Andy, is that not only did you take the loss with with um, dignity and, and own we, up to it. We don't know if I'm taking it with dignity yet. Yeah. I don't have you, a you, barf bowl. I just realized that. I almost feel bad making you do this punishment because you've already shown reform in your in your thought process and how you'll never put your trust in Pitt I again. Haven't the way that I haven't learned a thing. <laughs> Although I might after this. All right, my, my other chaser is some, some root beer. I don't know if I'm going to go for the root beer or the bourbon first, but I'm, I'm concerned either way. So, all right. So let's let's do this. I'm going to take this jar of mayonnaise. I have not opened it yet. This is a fresh jar of mayonnaise. I don't know if there's a seal on this or not. Oh, there is. So we got a we got an aluminum seal. So we're un. So it's proof that there's been nothing yep, you could have put pudding in there. That's right. This is nothing but pure mayonnaise. I didn't replace it with something that actually tastes good. Are you triggered by the smell? I'm avoiding the smell right now. I'm trying not to smell it. <laughs> Uh, oh god! I, I'm starting to smell it. Oh, oh, this is. I this. Is, what did you do? This is such what did a you bad do? idea. All right, NC State. I'm sorry, Pitt. I'm even sorrier that I trusted you. Here we go. That is a mammoth spoon. Uh, I, so well, I'm gonna have to take a few bites because I can't even get it in the jar. Yeah, you just have to spread it out with your finger and make sure uh, it's the entire spoon. Uh, okay, I, I don't want to. We... I don't want to touch it. Put it down. Oh, God. Put it down. Ah. <laughs> uh. Oh. Oh. It's. Uh. Why? 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 You actually gagged. I thought maybe I could get it down. Really thought. You you left that in your mouth way too long. Oh. You should have just gulped. I, I can't. I feel like you choked. You you could have made that easier on yourself. Ah, <laughs> oh my covered God. mayonnaise now. <laughs> so I didn't go for the bourbon. I went for the, the root beer, but mostly just to kind of get it out of there. So some of it went down. That is awful. How do any of you eat that? I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. You're. You're. That was a bigger punishment than I thought. You were kind of playing up the. That was terrible oh, that, for you. That is. I didn't realize it was that bad because I think when I accidentally get it, you know, it, it's on bread. There's some meat and and some other stuff. But that was awful. Oh my gosh! So I, I didn't. Bad. I feel bad. I feel like, bad for picking the bigger. I thought you were going to be fine. I thought you might like hate it. I didn't know that you you like that was painful well, to watch. Like when the taste hit my my throat or my taste was out. Some of it got in my throat. It's just so awful. I thought that you were actually a chance of puking there. How does anybody eat that? I love it. I could eat that no problem. People are insane. Well, think about how many calories you saved. You look great. You've been dieting. I'm also dieting. And the reason why I have to is think about over a 10-year period. If I put mayonnaise on sandwiches for that 10-year period, how many calories I've ingested just in mayonnaise One over a One tablespoon is 100 calories. One think tablespoon. So that was, that was more than 100 calories. I don't know if I actually ingested 100 calories. I don't know if that even counts. Honestly, Ari, I think I was supposed to swallow it, but I ain't doing it. You didn't swallow it? I mean, I swallowed some of it. Yeah, I, I was going to give you um, a hard time because I feel like you didn't put it all on, like the spoon could have been heavier, but given what I saw, <laughs> I feel like that's all you could have handled. That, that, that were, there was no bit there. That is, that is my genuine reaction to mayonnaise, and I knew it was bad. I guess it's been so long since I had to eat something with mayonnaise on it, I didn't realize it was going to be that bad. So Yeah, I, and getting it all on a spoon, even if like a casual mayonnaise eater, like I like mayonnaise, like I'll add mayonnaise on my sandwiches i don't think i'd want to do what you just did so like you got the brunt of it there pit i am never trusting you again ever ever that's it that shock therapy worked you are not too legit to pit you have pitted and you have made a pit in my stomach where there was gonna be mayonnaise but thank goodness my body rejected it i heard you and max talking about the chasers on uh the earlier podcast yeah by the way how did you by the way bottoms up that goes down great. 
Yeah, I've got a little uh, bourbon card over here myself. Maybe I should go grab one. Uh, uh, or do I not deserve loose, it? Make you loose for the rest of the show. Yeah, I've, I actually I feel really bad, um, but I'm happy that as a seasoned legend in the sports journalism field that you learned a lesson that you should have learned years ago. I think you're probably right, but that is a that is not something I would recommend to anyone. And <laughs> I I our friends at Duke's Mayonnaise. They're very nice people, even though they traffic in a product that is just awful. And I know they sponsor a bowl game, and I, I hope they don't just hold this against us because I don't think I've created the best advertisement for their product. But to be fair, it's, this is just how I am with mayonnaise. It's not personal. And we could have gotten you one, like in a plastic squeeze bottle or a lower quality one. I mean, at least you picked an okay yeah, at least quality it was one. The good stuff. That would. Yeah. Imagine if it hadn't been the good stuff. Man, I'm like kind of shaken up for you there. Like <laughs> I didn't. That, that was a legit gag. There was no acting there. No. That was. That was. <laughs> I thought. I thought you were gonna lose it. No, but hey, listen. We all learned something, and the thing we learned is never trust Pitt ever. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. And also, don't doubt NC State because, and I should have known this from earlier. I'm trying to remember the year, Ari. I think it was 2012. There was a year when, when Florida State was pretty good and they headed up to Raleigh. And I said, oh, Carter Finley Stadium, the atmosphere is not, not going to be that tough. It was an unbelievable atmosphere at Carter Finley Stadium. It ended with a, a gentleman who weighed eh, roughly 420 pounds, shirtless on a flagpole waving his shirt around as the junior senator from North Carolina, Petey Pablo, had ordered all North Carolinians to do. And <laughs> I should have known then that I shouldn't bet against NC State under any circumstances. Yeah, NC State kind of jumps up and surprises you. You know, I, I always just think of the most obvious NC State moment, which was the 33-yard field goal they missed against Clemson in 16 uh, that would have learned uh, turned into a loss for Clemson. See, we were and, trying to make the Wolfpack people feel good. Now you're trying to make them feel bad. No, I think competing with Clemson and putting them on the ropes the way they did, I mean, it was a terrible memory, but it was a good night, good day for the program. Uh, but I don't know that... Pitt had done enough yet this year to prove, and they have guys, and that's the thing that's so confusing. They do, they do have guys on that team, and it's just for whatever reason, and I don't know. I think it's even transcended beyond Narduzzi into previous coaching regimes that you never know what you're going to get. No, I mean, I, I think the classic Pitt result of holy cow, this actually happened was the 2007 backyard brawl when we gave Pitt no shot to beat West Virginia, and they went in there and beat them. Yeah, but you know what? You're a more seasoned man now. You are you, 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 one less flaw in the repertoire of the way your mind works. Well, well and now and now we know. Now, now all of you know, I was not joking about the mayonnaise thing. I was 100 percent serious when I said my body reacts violently to mayonnaise. You just heard it, and if you were on Twitter today, you saw it. So you heard that you heard that if you're not watching it, you heard it. Yeah, it's there's video. There's three different angles of video of that. So everybody's going to be able to see it. I don't know if they're going to want to see it and they probably won't be able to unsee it, but they'll be able to see it. So I like the bourbon chaser. I don't know if root beer was a right choice. That oh, no, no, no. It was odd. actually good. It was it was it was great. It, it is it because it's such a harsh flavor for it me- soda. It that mellowed everything out. Yeah, I wanted something with a very strong flavor to cancel out what if if. If it went really badly, because I, I didn't know how it was going to go. It, it had been so long since I'd tried mayonnaise, I, you know, because I have had foods as I've gotten older that I've gone from not liking to liking. So I thought maybe, maybe it's going to be like that. But unfortunately, it was not. And I wish I'd liked it. I, I wish there weren't foods that made me do that. There's a couple. Uh, raw tomatoes do that too, raw onions. And I wish that my body didn't do that because... It would just be better if I could eat more things as a uh, you know yeah, guy who wants his own Food Network show. I don't, I'm not sure I could qualify. If I can't eat mayo, how am I supposed to get my own Food Network show? Especially in some of the the big sandwiches across the country. I am the type of person that would order extra mayonnaise on specific sandwiches. Like I think mayonnaise on an Italian sub is delicious. I know people think that's crazy. And I'm a huge fan of tartar sauce. I can't have fish if I don't have tartar sauce. 
See, like you're you're like potato you, salad. You're out on potato salad and and well, potato all salad the things. with vinegar. I love, but not yeah, not the mayo potato salad, not mayo coleslaw. You know, coleslaw made with vinegar. I'm I'm good good for, but just yeah, can't do it. Yeah, I uh, I think that you're a little bit skinnier today as a result of that. So you should be thankful. <laughs> I don't have, I don't. I mean, think about you and your um, eating journeys across this country and how many places you've been and how many dishes you've eaten how many times i've said no mayo on that think about how many times you said no mayo on that if you never said that before you'd have to intermittent fast longer to get (laughs) looking as amazing as you do right now so that was the first thing i'd eaten at uh at we're recording this at about you broke 12 50 p.m on thursday i broke my fast with that mayonnaise And now I really regret that. I, I probably could have gone a few more hours without eating anything. That was, uh, that was a weird... I, I don't know if the execution of today's... Uh, you did yourself any favors. I think well, you made no, it okay. harder on So yourself. here's the thing. I thought about this. I thought Because normally I start eating at about 11 o'clock. If I had eaten something, it would have been all over the camera. It would have been all over the room. It would have been all over me. Oh. That that's what I was concerned yeah. about. Dry gag reflex is just dry air if you right. don't have anything in your right. stomach. So I've I've worked out today. I've you know so all I've had is water. So the worst thing that was going to come out was some mayo flavored water, and that was okay. So that was it was mostly to keep the equipment dry more than anything else. I I I'm in shock. I thought that it would be bad. I thought you would hate it. I didn't know that it would end up on your face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud of you, though. I am. I'm proud of you. I, I tried. You to know that. I did try. Yeah. I, I did and the I, best I could. Not only did you pay your debts, but you you owned up to the reason you had to pay the debt, and then you paid it in the most magnificent way. I think that we all forgive you for doing what you did. And now I've got to figure out if I have a food that makes me gag because I have to put myself on the line to make it even at some point down the line. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, but listen, we need to talk about this week's games, though. We, we need to talk about the, the numbers and the lines and the, the over-under totals because this is what got us to the Mayo bet last time was I said there's no way Pitt's going to lose this game. Now, I wasn't dumb enough to put it on a point spread because if I had, it would have been over long before the game actually ended. But, but I, I did it straight up. But It was a brutal way they lost, too. We have to say, like, if you were, you had to be sweating that because it looked like well, you escaped. It, yeah, you but, were in a good spot. Listen, Leary was great. He really was. They looked, but North Carolina State looked different with Leary playing quarterback. So more power to him. I, I'm glad they seem to have found the right guy for them. Uh, but Pitt, yeah. You, you're better than this. Uh, Pitt's playing BC this weekend, and honestly, Pitt's favored by six. I'm not touching it, but <laughs> here we go. But, but, That's but, it. But BC looked really good against North Carolina, and, and I don't know. And this is part of the problem with this season: is you don't know is it sample size because you haven't really seen somebody play yet, or is it the opponent was limiting them? Because I don't know if North Carolina is just not hitting the deep ball, or was BC just really good? Because North Carolina hadn't played in three weeks. The only game they played was Syracuse, which they, they kind of messed around for three quarters and then put them away in the fourth. But North Carolina beat BC last week, but it was not what we got used to seeing from Sam Howell and company last, week, or last year. And so I, I'm wondering if that was BC's defense, or I'm wondering if that is something with the North Carolina offense. We just don't know yet, and that's a strange thing to say on October, you know, October 9th. Yeah, well, I will say that covered uh, BC's head coach uh, very closely last year when he was Ohio State's defensive coordinator, and the man took uh, the worst defense statistically in Ohio State history and made it one of the best defenses in the country. So I do trust that in his, in his ability to, to, to scheme up a defense that can get things going. But, you know, as I say on this podcast, uh, you know, every few weeks – I went to North Carolina in the offseason. I got macked, and I thought I thought that North Carolina would be in a good position uh, to really do something. And right now, sitting at a top ten, ten a top ten team, they are. And if we're like going to jump into the games that stand out, uh, UNC giving five is one of the ones that stand out because like I'm still under the North Carolina spell. But you know, once we go into that section of this podcast i'll let you direct it well i've got i've got a heater i've got a heater we're in it now so i want to i want to hear your heater i don't know if i am nuts and maybe this you can set up a bet for me 
but I love Miami this week. So Miami giving or getting 14 at Clemson. And here's my problem with that. And this is why I think the people in Las Vegas are geniuses. I think Miami's good. I think Miami can play Clemson close. The problem is, let's say Miami does play Clemson close. Let's say it's, a, it's an eight-point game in the fourth quarter, and Miami's doing everything they can to try to win the game, and they just peter out on their own 35, turnover on downs with two minutes to go, and they have timeouts, so Clemson has to run plays, and they hand off to Travis Etienne, and he scores. And suddenly, your cover's gone. And that happens. It happens every week in a million games. You saw it happen to yourself last week. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't the actual spread of the game, but uh, if you took the second half of that game, and I, I have a friend who did. <laughs> you, know. you know people who know people who know people? <laughs> I know people who know people, and uh, Pitt was covering the second half spread, and then the way they lost, they lost. And to me, if you told me right now uh, – Miami's down eight in the fourth quarter at Clemson. No matter what the circumstances, I'm taking the points. And the other thing, too, you have to realize is that Miami could be losing by 17 and have the ball with three minutes left and, and go the other way with it. So uh, I, I think that it's – I don't know. I, I think the general reaction that everybody had, and I did too, is Miami is the Miami of old. Uh, they are still a huge four or five steps behind Clemson, and they are – uh, in the ACC, so, and it's wait, so but by, easy. Miami, by Miami of old, you're talking about like Al Golden era Miami, not talking Miami of old, like not last Jimmy year. Johnson era Miami. Okay, <laughs> no, 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 not Miami the U of old. I'm talking about like the Miami that we've all come to know and love the last three or four years, the one that played in one of the most uh, boring bowl games in the history of mankind last year, uh, the Miami that couldn't score a point against uh, Louisiana Tech. You know, you're right. Yeah. So listen, I think Miami's offense is real. I still think Clemson is much better. I, it's, they it's, are. It's very interesting because this is, you know, they're not in the same division in the ACC. And, you know, your mouth, the God's ears, I really hope they never go back to divisions after this season because they're not playing with divisions this year. But I was there the day that Clemson ended the Al Golden era. And you've never seen a program that, that fancied itself an elite-type program getting reality thrown at them by an actual elite program so hard. I mean, it was, it was embarrassing. It was, it was awkward to watch. And, you know, this is, this is a chance for Miami to show that they have improved, that they're ready to compete at that level. Now, I don't think they have to beat Clemson to do that. I think absolutely if, they, not. if they come in there and they're points. competitive, I think they absolutely will show, look – they are good enough to compete with most programs. Most programs can't compete with Clemson. So if they can compete with them now, great. I will say, Ari, I watched a lot of that Clemson-Virginia game, and it sure feels like Miami's offense should be able to move the ball a little bit. So this is what I'm saying. You're giving 14 points, and granted it's on the road, but that doesn't really mean the same thing that it has in the past with no fans or limited fans. I don't know what Clemson's uh, fan – uh, policy is off the top of their head, but you're I think talking it's like about twenty to twenty five percent. So it's not the same environment that you would expect. And Miami is averaging forty three and a half points per game, seventh in the country, and you're giving them fourteen against a Clemson team uh, that gave up some points and and didn't look all that great. You know, at times they look like the the world beater that they are, and I know what they are. Everybody knows what they are. Uh, but the one thing I will say is, if you look at the lines at the beginning of the week, I always look on Monday. And I think you can tell a lot about the way things are going based on the way they move. And this game is stuck at 14. And I thought it would – I think it opened at 15 or 14 and a half. And I thought we would get it down to – it would either – it would go up to 17, 18 because everybody just thinks that Clemson's going to win by 100 because that's the easy, simple way of looking at it. But the fact that it went the other way, Miami is giving less points and it's stuck at 14. Like, it's like – I've seen this movie a hundred times and like the basic impulse of a human being is to hammer the team that is invincible. But this game has like 28, 17 or 35 to 24 written all over it. See, I think See, that's, I, that's I like, the thing we, we're going to find out if Clemson's invincible or not. And if, if they're not, 
if Miami can can hang with them, then there are other teams within the ACC, cough, cough, Notre Dame, cough, cough, that can also potentially hang with them. Yeah, I mean, 30 f- – yeah, I mean, the over-under total is 62, so – uh, it doesn't necessarily seem like it's going to be an outrageously high-scoring game. I think Miami has enough to uh, get to 20 or 24 points, and I think that that should be enough. I mean, I don't know. Maybe the score will be 64 to nothing, but like Miami has been the, the game that I just feel like I want to do the thing that is against what I usually do, which is just falling into the same traps that Vegas sets every week. And I think the other way around on it, Miami is a very interesting line here. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Let's talk Red River because that's one that is a is a tight spread. The number feels accurate. It's a it's Oklahoma minus two. The number on that game is seventy two. So basically, they're saying they think Oklahoma is going to win that game thirty seven thirty five or thirty seven thirty thirty four. Am I thirty no, eight thirty four would would be? I can't do math. I'm bad at math. But so thirty thirty eight thirty four something like that. And 37, what would it be, 37, 36, 37, 35? Don't make me do math. But that feels about right. But this game, from a, a macro standpoint, forget the betting part of it, forget the, the number. There is so much psychological freight on this game because if Oklahoma loses a third consecutive Big 12 game, it will be disaster of epic proportions. Now, granted, they've won the last five conference titles. They're doing fine. Lincoln Riley is okay to have a down year. It's not the end of the world. But that's not how the fan base is going to feel. Meanwhile, if Texas loses this game, you've got a weekend Oklahoma. This feels like your chance. But then you will have lost your second consecutive Big 12 game. And you probably should have lost the first one, too. So you probably should have lost three in a row. I feel like it's more of a must-win for Texas than it is for Oklahoma. I think it's a bigger game for Texas. I know that everybody is worried about the uh, the situation right now and with Oklahoma and people saying there's no way they could lose three in a row, but that's far less important than I, I feel like Tom Herman might be like coaching for his job. If not this year, then maybe I, next I year. Do, I know he I did. do too, and that's what I think is interesting because – if you'd asked me that this time last year, if you said, "Okay, Texas is going to go seven and or eight and five this year," and Tom Herman's going to going to fire both coordinators and feel like he's he's coaching for his job, I'd say there's no way. They're coming off the Sugar Bowl. Everybody's still happy. He doesn't need to play the get out of jail free card. He doesn't need to pull the ripcord that soon. But when he did fire both coordinators and and replace them, I thought, okay. Maybe there's something we don't know. Maybe that maybe there is more internal feeling that you have to win now than than there is external feeling. And listen, I have a recruiting mind uh, about things. Well, sometimes, there, there was think, there was some news on Wednesday night on that front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did lose another uh, highly important top forty player, but that's not what I'm getting at. I'm getting at the fact that they have a the number one quarterback and the number one player in the country committed in the 2022 class. And like, I don't know if this is like an outlandish thing to say, but I think you almost keep the coach long enough to get that stud in your program. 
And I don't know if any athletic director would ever feel that way. And it's just like funny. You go back and you look. Vince Young was the number one player in whatever class he was in. And it's just like, could you imagine like losing out on that prospect because a coach got fired too soon? And I understand that wasn't the case with Mac Brown. But I sometimes wonder, is the player more important than the coach? Is that like a crazy thing to think? Yes. Name a player more important than Nick Saban. Name a player more important than Dabo Sweeney. Not every not even, I'm not saying in every sh- scenario. No, no, no. I'm just saying no, no. At this level, at the level of elite program that can get with the right coach can get whatever player it wants, the player is never more important than the coach. Because uh, and, and uh, this is the most important player that could possibly go to Texas in any in well, any l- scenario. Well, let's 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 look at it with Clemson. Because Deshaun Watson's that player for Clemson. Is Clemson what Clemson is today without Deshaun Watson? I don't know. I think you could make a question. I think you can make a case that they're not. But I bet they would be. I bet they would be too. Because they would have. But gotten, you could make a because c- they would have gotten Trevor Lawrence or someone like that at some point along the way. And do they you think would've. that Trevor Lawrence was more comfortable committing to Clemson as a result of what they did with Deshaun Watson? Absolutely. And Deshaun Watson was comfortable as a result of what they did with Taj Boyd. Right. But right. But Boyd was great. He was a really good player. The level of quarterback at Clemson now is infinitely better. Than no, it, it changed was. it. Com- yeah. It changed it completely. But, but the thing is, you can always you can find a good quarterback, and and it's not necessarily always going to be that number one player in the country guy. Remember, Texas A and M signed the number one, the quarterback who was the number one player in the country in 2015. Turned out he I really just, was a good player, just not there. He was a good player at Oklahoma. Yeah. You know, and again, I'm open to the idea that I'm nuts, and this is why I love talking about this stuff with you because I think we sometimes have different perspectives. But when you look at um, just the importance of getting that guy during a time where the program's in a transition. If you can't handle all the other stuff, if you can't get a team ready to win week after week, whether the opponent is superior, inferior, or the same, if you can't do all that other stuff, it doesn't matter how good the players you bring in are because you'll never, ever get what you want. Yeah, no, I understand that. But I think that there's still some question within the Texas program. And this is the second consecutive week that we've gone all in on them. And I don't know if this is what you wanted to do. but I like, absolutely it's just... do because it's Red River Week. And again, yeah. it feels like a must win. Although it feels yeah. like a must win on both sides. Yeah, I, I don't know. Te- Texas had the, the fifth most talented team in college football this year. Herman has done... Uh, a very good job of building the talent on that roster. So maybe it's just not, they're not in a position where they're like, well, we absolutely need to get this kid in our program and let him work with him. Uh, But I just feel like sometimes there are certain players that come into programs and change things. And when you're talking about the number one player in the country, a five-star quarterback who lives in Dallas, nonetheless, because not only did Texas get him, they also kept him from Because there's no good football players in Dallas or Houston or Austin or San Antonio. Look, there's always absolutely. Good, there's always there's that always kid almost went to Oklahoma. Stand, <laughs> Can you imagine if that kid went to Oklahoma? This is a monumental get for Texas. It is, and I, I, again, I don't, I'm not saying that this is the whole reason why you would keep a coach, but I wonder if I feel like it's a mistake that uh, athletic directors in general don't spend more time looking at recruiting results. I think they're so results oriented. Well, I, I, on the I field. think they do look at recruiting, and I, 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 I think. It, I've, that should be the metric, in my opinion. I've talked to ADs the, who who have decided to keep coaches because they felt like they had a good recruiting class coming in. But, right. but the thing is, if you can't beat the teams you're supposed to beat, it does not matter who you recruit. That that That's the tricky part. And, and the thing is, it also matters who you recruit. The people who compete for national championships can do both. They're the only ones who can do both. They can handle the organizational aspects, the X's and O's aspects, and the recruiting aspect. That is Dabo. That is Nick Saban. That was Urban Meyer and is now Ryan Day. That may be Lincoln Riley. We will see. But, you know, given what he's done so far, I'd say he's on track to be that. It was Pete Carroll. Like, there are not many people like that. It's hard to find. Okay, I'll give you an example. Another, you know, we talk about Texas A&M on this front quite a bit. The team coming to play Texas A&M this week is Florida. Dan Mullen has proven time and time again that he can handle the organizational aspects of a program, the motivational aspects of a program, the X's and O's piece of it, the game day coaching. He's great at all of that. What's the one thing he still hasn't proven yet? 
can he recruit at the level of a Nick Saban, of a Kirby Smart, of a Dabo Sweeney? What does Kirby Smart have to do? He can recruit at that level, but he has to prove that he is the kind of game day coach that Nick Saban or Dan Mullen is. Kirby Smart got to an overtime in a national title game because he's able to recruit. I think that 80% of it is getting the talent and 20% is development and coaching. I, I, I think there, that the hardest there's ask... More to, there's more to development and coaching than you think. Or, oh, of course there is. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, but like if you... The, here's the thing I always say in this discussion. It's impossible to accomplish what you want without the talent. Right. and That's, that's a that's prerequisite. Why, that's why we love our friend Bud Elliott's blue chip ratio because... That's the price of admission. That's the cut line. But if you're above that cut line, you can win. This is a really good segue back to like what we were talking about before, though, Andy, because Herman is 3-0 and against the spread and 1-0 and straight up in his three years against Oklahoma. And this is the first time they, I think, are catching less than a field goal. And Texas always so, plays them tough. That, that's the thing that's interesting about Oklahoma's dominance over the last few years relative to the Big 12 and relative to Texas because Texas has played Oklahoma very tough, but they have not been that good relative to the rest of the Big 12. If they played the rest of the Big 12 the way they played Oklahoma, it would just be a Texas-Oklahoma championship game every year. Yeah. I mean, I I personally think that the best thing to do if you are – watching this game from the comfort of your house and you have the ability to do it is to bet the game live <laughs> because there's so much scoring usually that you can get a much better number depending on what side you like in the game. I mean, Oklahoma might be up 7 nothing 35 seconds into the game if it goes any way that we used to, and then you can get, oh, maybe a touchdown or, or six and a half, and that changes the entire aspect of it. But I absolutely think that this game is going to play out the same way that all the other games have played out where everybody's scoring all over the place. Maybe a team gets a 10 or 14 point lead, but it's not really over until the middle of the fourth quarter or till the end of the game when a team can square it away. And in this specific scenario, I think you're basically flipping a coin because it's less than two points. And it's just basically, do you think Tom Herman wants it more and needs it more? And do you think Texas is better? Is Oklahoma so damaged that they can't beat Texas? I mean, they're both kind of damaged ducks right now. So I think it's more so about what side you would want. And based on what I've seen out of Oklahoma the last two weeks, despite the fact that Texas has also lost, I like Texas in this game. Let's stay in the Lone Star State. Florida, Texas A&M. Florida is a six-and-a-half-point favorite at Kyle Field, which you're going to hear a lot. The, this week's Tim Tebow and, and Riley Cooper are roommates is going to be that Kyle Trask was named after Kyle Field. Kyle Trask's parents are both A&M grads. He grew up in Manville, Texas. Named after Kyle Field. A&M didn't recruit him. Hardly anybody recruited him. You know, Doug Nussmeyer was the OC at Florida at the time. He's the current quarterback's coach of the Dallas Cowboys. He saw him at a camp, thought he was really good, and kind of stood on the table for him, even though he was the backup to Derek King at Manville High. And that's a pretty well-told story, but now he gets to go into the, the stadium he's named after and maybe take a little piece of it for himself. I think Florida wins this game, Ari. The number that's interesting to me is the total. The over-under on this game is 57. And if you watch Florida play the first couple weeks, you think that number is pretty easy to hit. That number suggests to me that that Vegas doesn't think A&M can score at all. Now, I would suggest if you watch Florida play defense against Vanderbilt and South Carolina, they're not as good of a defense as they were last year. And so A&M will score some points. I think I'd hit that over pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. I I love Florida's offense, and uh, Kyle Trask is like the nice, warm, uh, feel-good story about the under-recruited guy who might be a first-round draft pick. I, I like what they're doing on offense, and but I also like the fact that it's on the road, and Texas A&M, I think, should be able to show a pulse this week. I, I feel like, I mean, I feel like is, A&M's backed against the wall. They This may be a bigger must-win for A&M than it is for Texas. I'm trying to I'm trying to trying to like let that sink in here for a minute. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? Let's say our friends at Texag, let's say we, we pop on their message boards on Sunday if, if I know I can only imagine what the if, if, Yeah, no, yeah, I know. If Florida, if Florida has beaten Texas A and M in a way somewhat similar to the way Alabama beat Texas A and M, what do those message boards look like? Yeah, no, it's a disaster. 
in fairness, I think every message board after a loss is a disaster. But uh, but, th- but that's going to be a much more macro feeling because this was supposed to be the year. And if they're one and two and they've lost pretty handily to two, two really good teams, the, the type of teams that they're supposed to be competing with now, that's going to not sit well. So they have got to play well in this game. I don't know if they have to win it, but they at least have to get close. Or I mean, I just maybe it may be bailout time. Every single week, I see the figure. I know I don't know every coach's salary off the top of my head. I know Jimbo Fisher's salary because it's a nice reminder of how much money that man's getting paid. And for the most part, he's done a pretty good job recruiting, and they have a, a talented team. But um, I wrote after the games on Saturday that I, I I just feel like they're not quite where they should be based on what they've built. And I don't know if that's just the reality as being the sixth or seventh best team in the big in the big bad SEC or, or what it is. But, you know, I think also there has to be some understanding and reality of what are you and who are you going to be in this conference and, like, what do our friends at Texags think their team should be? They think, they think, they think their they team should, should be LSU? for national titles. They, they think it should – now, I, I think they don't – I don't think they feel like it has to be Alabama level because that's unusual. But I think – they would be happy, and I've actually Billy Lucci, who who runs Texas, we he and I have talked about this. They would be happy being Auburn. They would be happy with the roller coaster that is Auburn, where every once yeah. in a while you're so good that you win an SEC title, and every once in a while you're so good that you compete for a national title. And they can take the the lows if they can get the highs. Well, they've but been getting the lows, they so they're used to. They can't get the highs. Yeah. yeah. Well, getting the highs is pretty incredible. It's incredibly hard in the SEC to get the highs. And, like, you saw what happened with LSU last year. They got the highs, but it took some pretty incredible circumstances to get those highs. It took basically creating the best team and the best offense in college football history. They might have made the best team in the, in college football history last year with a quarterback who I witnessed walk into fall camp wearing a Disney shirt who looked like a 16-year-old who didn't belong on a college football field, and now he's, like, the best quarterback in the history of college football, maybe. And now, potentially, the future face of the NFL. I mean, the the, the development in the in the... The change in Joe Burrow last year is one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my entire uh, career. So, and even then, I don't think you're going to see very uh, many charm stories uh, the way the LSU played out. That was the perfect season. There's nothing that could be taken away. SEC championship, Heisman Trophy, national but, championship. But here's the thing. But Texas A&M has access to the recruits. They have the resources. They play in the conference that everybody wants to play in. Mm-hmm. They should yeah. be able every once in a while – to cycle up to that. Every single one of the SEC teams that we talk about every week has the same resources for the most part. Well, yes, yes. Alabama, Texas A&M, yeah. Auburn, LSU in the West are all, yeah. in terms of resources, on a similar plane. In terms of access to players, on a similar plane. S- similar plane. And so you have other teams on the other side. You've got Georgia who might have the best situation in terms yep. of access to players and, of any and, team and in college then, football. And then Florida has Florida, good players. Tennessee so, could could get there. And that's the hardest part about this whole thing. It's like on paper. And I I, I wrote a story about a recruiting strategy for SMU this this week. And the the thing that I learned in my phone call with Sonny Dykes, and maybe it sounds obvious, is that the most important possible thing when being a head coach in college football is being in a territory where you have access to players. So when you look at the Texas A&M job, you think this might be one of the top 15, top 10 maybe jobs in America. The problem with the SEC that everybody always forgets, and even I forget, is that being the sixth best team in the SEC means you've got to be the ninth best team in college football. And sometimes looking at the sixth, yeah, yeah, and being the sixth best team in the SEC uh, is brutal. Because even if you're the ninth best team in college football, it still comes with those brutal three, four, five losses. The other teams that are in the contention for top ten teams in college football and the other conferences don't have to deal with that struggle. So I, I, I kind of feel for Jimbo Fisher in the sense that people are upset that he doesn't have the results of it. But how could he have the? They just played Alabama, and now they have to play. I mean, Florida. Clemson doesn't have and, to play and, Alabama right. and Georgia and Florida every yeah. week. Ohio State doesn't have to. They, they played Alabama and now they play Florida. I mean, that's it's crazy. That's what happens. Speaking of that, so Tennessee goes to Georgia. Well, you got to tell me who you like in that game oh, before we move. In, in Florida, Texas, I like Florida to yeah. win. I like Florida to win and to cover. I, I'm just, I think, I think they're going to go over that total because I think AM's going to score some points. Okay. Um, okay. I agree with you. So let's say in the SEC, though, Georgia and Tennessee 
Georgia's favored by 12 and a half in this game. Now that is such a that is that is a serious confidence boost after watching Georgia beat up on Auburn, which has a lot of talent. God, that last week I fell into the give me the points trap. This is like such in college football, isn't this like the quintessential example of how things change every week? Georgia struggles big time in week one. Everybody thinks the world is ending. Then the Auburn, who looked great in week one, comes in. They're giving Auburn seven or seven and a half. Everybody on earth just hops on seven and a half. Like, oh my God, this is so many points. Georgia can't move the football. And now I think it's an overreaction back to the other way. Right. And this feels I think high. That, I, I think that Pitt, Tennessee belongs in the Pitt discussion. Oh, no. I, don't do, do, no, don't do no, that to the Vols. <laughs> no, no. I, I, not that I... I like them, and I want to like them in this game. I want to pick them. I can't trust that team. Well, okay, and, and I, 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 I see where you're going with that. So here's what has to happen for Tennessee to either cover the spread or win the game. We know what Georgia's defense is. Of that, we have no question. The only team that has been able to score on this, this group of Georgia players on defense was LSU last year. That's it. Nobody else That's could. That's it. So – you don't have their offense. Nobody else does. So it is going to be hard to do what Tennessee did last week against Missouri. You can't just run the ball and, and expect to gain yards that way. You're going to have to be creative. Jared Garantano is going to have to be precise. He's going to have to be... And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Mostly mistake-free? I'm not sure that's going to happen against this defense. That's the part that concerns me. And Georgia, Do you think that Tennessee can score 20 points? Yeah. <sighs> If Garantano does not make mistakes, yes. But if he throws a couple of picks, no, it's not if, happening. If he doesn't make mistakes, I know he's the he's the quintessential. I have no idea what we're getting out of this guy, quarterback. Exactly. And when you put him against a defense this good, it should tell you which way to lean. I always have a hard time because I want to take these points. I do, but I think that Georgia is going to roll. I think that Georgia's defense is too good. The total is only 43 in this game. So they're, they're thinking it's the going to be... The total feels about right. Because that, that's the one thing with Georgia, and this is what I want to see out of Georgia. Now, last week, they won that game going away. It never felt like they were in any danger. But this is, and this is something that, that Dan Uthman, my great editor, and I have talked about a lot this week. I feel like the the secret to being a national championship caliber coach is being able to win games in multiple ways. Can you win a 17-13 game and a 43-40 game? And I think Nick Saban can do that. I think Dabo can do that. I think Ryan Day can do that. Can Kirby Smart do that? We know they can win the 17-13 game against another good team. 
if somebody draws them into a shootout, can they win that? I don't think Georgia's the or I don't think Tennessee's the team yeah. to do that. But yeah. down the road, can Georgia win a shootout as easily as it can win twenty to sixteen? My my problem with this game, Andy, is I don't think that Tennessee can score twenty points. I, I think it's gonna be hard. I, I do. I think Georgia's gonna force some turnovers. Yeah. I, I uh and I don't know, Tennessee Won those, what is it, six in a row last year mm-hmm. off the top of my head yep. and now has looked pretty good the first two weeks. That Georgia game, everybody watched the Georgia-Auburn uh, game last week. That Georgia game was a simple case of one team with much better players beating the crap out of a team that didn't have as many good players. But Auburn, I think ten- but Auburn had good players, and if you compare Auburn to Tennessee... That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. But still wasn't... They still got out-talented in that game. They got out. They got their butts kicked, and there's no other way to put it. They they weren't on the same playing field. And Auburn has dudes. Tennessee has dudes, but Tennessee is far closer to what Auburn is from a talent makeup and, and a team composition than anything else. And if like Stetson Bennett is 75 percent as good as he was last week, which I think is a reasonable expectation, and you unleash that Georgia defense that only gets shredded when they play the greatest offense in the history of college football, then how is Tennessee going to get that? Like like right now, the, Vegas thinks the final score is going to be 31 to 13 or something. And if that's the case, that seems like to me to be that would be a, a lot like the Auburn game. I think it could look a lot like the Auburn game. Yeah, and and look, that's the way Kirby Smart likes games to look. So we're we're still not going to have the ultimate answer for what Georgia is or if Georgia is has evolved into what it needs to be if that happens but I think we should know a lot more about Tennessee after this week because I'm curious as to where Tennessee is because you had that horrible beginning to last season you had the great end where it, it was really inspirational they did a great job because I don't know that you could have pulled most teams out of the hole they were in and I thought Jeremy Pruitt did a good job of that yeah, it's funny that we were talking about this and comparing them directly to Auburn because I just looked it up. Auburn's the 13th most talented team in the blue chip ratio, and Tennessee's 14th, so they're like very similar. Yeah, that's what I figured. It was pretty close. So, yeah. so we're going to find out pretty soon what Tennessee is and, and what they're about. And I think you know, if they keep this game close, if, if this game's a one-possession game, I think that, that bodes really well for the Vols going forward because if you can hang with Georgia, you can hang with anybody. Yeah. And I think that it'd be good for the SEC if Tennessee broke through. It would be good if Auburn had one of those even years. Uh, I want to see like South Carolina surprise well, that, people. That's Mississippi- the, thing. the East needs to be as competitive as the West. They're, you know, I, granted, Alabama is going to be there in the West every year, but you have LSU sometimes. You have Auburn sometimes. You want that even Florida, even yeah. Florida to be. Well, back. That's what I mean. In the East, if you had Georgia yeah. and Florida and Tennessee, and they were all competitive for the division title. I think that just makes the league more interesting, and it, it makes the league better. Yeah, and I, I have spent the last 10 years uh, consumed with covering the Big Ten and haven't really had a chance to sit back and enjoy what SEC is. I really, really enjoy watching the SEC on Saturdays now. Well, it's and a not much that more I did it fun before, brand but of football it's a, than it used to be. It, it's great, um, and the teams are great, and it's just I feel bad for those coaches who are put in positions where they have to perform – and that ninth overall in America, sixth in your own conference thing is really brutal. Well, it I, really it's, is. Yeah, Dan Mullen was the one who kind of pointed that out early on when uh, <laughs> Mississippi State, it was the year they beat Michigan in the Gator Bowl, just crushed Michigan and, and you know ended Rich Rodriguez's tenure there. And that Mississippi State team finished 15th in the AP poll and fifth in the SEC West. It's another example of it, Andy, is before the season started, everybody would talk about Arkansas like they're some sort of like FCS team or something that couldn't Well, they, did, they, they lost to Western Kentucky last year. They lost to North no, Texas I know. the year before. The results were there for that. Arkansas is more talented than Wisconsin, Mississippi, Michigan State, Virginia Tech, UCLA, Pitt, Utah, Oklahoma State, who is the dark horse now for some people to make the playoff out of the Big 12, Iowa, West Virginia, and Missouri. Why you got to go and rain, They're 26. rain on people's parades like that? <laughs> I'm just saying, it's just it, it's a way to put it in perspective. The joke of the SEC is the 26th most talented team in college football. Right up there with Nebraska, Arizona State, 
North Carolina, teams that people are excited about. Well, And I think they've shown that if they play tough, they can be a pretty hard out, too. Well, and you mentioned one of the teams that, that has to face one of the monsters of the SEC this week, and that's Ole Miss. They're playing Alabama. Uh, if you want to read about Alabama's quarterback, Mac Jones, I did a, a feature on him this week. He's a really interesting guy. And yes, he knows you didn't think he was going to play there. And he's been using that to fuel him the entire time, which I, I, I find kind of funny. But Alabama, 23.5-point favorite. The over-under on this game is 70.5. This is one, Ari, I, I don't know where to go with this because Alabama has played some Ole Miss teams that had good offenses and completely shut those offenses down. I think Lane Kiffin will probably keep chucking it as long as he can. 70.5 feels a little low to me. Because I think Alabama's going to score 50. And I think Ole Miss is going to be able to score a little bit too. What's the number? 70.5. Yeah, this could be 55 to 21, couldn't it? Absolutely. And, and now the 55 <laughs> may get hit pretty early. Mac Jones may have you know his stats by halftime and, and give way to Bryce Young. But my guess is Lane's going to keep on chucking with Matt Corral. And they got some good receivers. I mean, Elijah Moore's good. Uh, Dontario Drummond's pretty good. Uh, the the uh, Kenny Yaboa, the the tight end transfer they got from from Temple, is very good. So they've got dudes at Ole Miss offensively. They just don't have them on the defense, and that is Lane Kiffin's mandate over the next two years: is get that defense right. Because if he can, then suddenly Ole Miss becomes a factor again. Where not maybe maybe not that it can win the West, but it can beat some of the better teams out of the West every once in a while yeah I think 70 sounds good too I just don't know there's two things that are going to happen here either Ole Miss is going to get their head beat in and they're not going to be able to score at all or they're going to get 30 well remember the game a few years ago when Ole Miss I think scored on either the first or second play from scrimmage long yeah, it was the second touchdown. play and it was like an 80 yard touchdown yeah, yeah. and never scored again <laughs> that, exactly that's that's the part I'm worried about there for Ole Miss is is does Alabama's defense just decide to flex but I think this Ole Miss offense is probably a little bit better than that one yeah, yeah, and I like Lane Kiffin, and I, I've always loved his ability to draw up an offense, and I've loved that he's in the SEC. He's great for the sport. Um, I just always have a hard time, and it's kind of like the heart, the reason why I always tend to gravitate to numbers and not uh, over-under totals because in a lot of these over-under situations that we're mapping out now, you are expecting or relying on teams to score on really good defenses. And having to put yourself in that position, is I just don't think there a, are that many real. Like there are no 2012 Alabama defenses anymore. There are 2011 Alabama. Defense. They don't exist. There, yeah. there is no such defense in the sport of college football anymore. Still, just being put in a situation where you have to guarantee Ole Miss scores 24 or more, and I, that's assuming that I feel like I've every seen, SEC team can score 10 now on on somebody else. And I wouldn't have said man, that. Vanderbilt okay maybe not maybe not everyone 13 to 14 <laughs> yeah yeah no but you know what I uh I've been peeping ahead to the schedule in two weeks from now so like I'm I'm getting super amped I cannot wait just put Georgia and Alabama in my veins right now just it, listen I don't want to hey I, it's gonna be fun but we got Red River we got yeah, Tennessee, I know, Georgia. I know. We got I know. Florida, Texas A&M. We got Clemson, Miami. We got a lot to watch. I can't this wait week. for the Clemson game. I'm, what's your most excited? What game are you most excited to watch? Texas, Oklahoma, just because of the sheer desperation. No, can't do it. Ah, I love it. I I like a, lo- a good loser leaves town match. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm not going to watch it. I am. I'm in Dallas now, so like the entire city shut down. But I. Uh, I'm super excited about my favorite thing in sports, at least in college football, is seeing if the uh, if there's a game out there that will determine the arrival of a new team. And I don't know. I think Miami is still a year early, even though I do like them with the points. If Miami could come out and shock the world and beat Clemson in a night game, I think that would be like a nice state. Like I just like to see if teams can do it and what like uncertainty looks like. I think we both know that Oklahoma and Texas look like trash this year. Like, there's nothing that I'm going to learn from that game, regardless of how it pans out. See, I like looking at things from a new perspective. That, that's, and seeing, that's the difference between you and me. You are looking for the next big thing. I'm looking for chaos. Yeah, well, chaos is great. I love chaos. But the thing about the Oklahoma-Texas game is that 
nothing that happens in that game is going to be shocking or exciting. Or maybe exciting is not the right word. It's not going to be – you're not going to learn oh, anything Oh, it's going to be interesting. It. It's going to be interesting no matter what. Yeah. So that's the part I'm excited about. We'll have a lot to talk about here next week. A lot. We will not have mayonnaise, unfortunately. I, I think I'm done with that for a little while. But we, we may come up with something else. If I say something stupid again, Ari, by all means, call me out, and we'll, f- we'll figure out how to punish me for it. Yeah, and you got to figure out a food that I hate. I, I got to – I don't know if Is there's there a one? single f- – There isn't a single food on earth, I don't think, that would make me react to the way you react. I just think to I'm going to make you pick Michigan against Ohio State and say that it doesn't matter that Ohio State has better players. That would be worse than what you had to go through today. Exactly. I want to pick I, Michigan against Ohio State. I know where your weakness is. I want to. Two years ago, I picked Michigan, and I was made to look like a fool, and I'll never do it again. See, that and was nobody, the year that they were favored. Nobody even made you eat mayonnaise. Yeah, I. I I'll do it once uh, the talent comes closer. <laughs> but we're not going down this road. That's right. Thank you for listening. Thank you for putting up with me eating mayonnaise. I, I don't think that was the most attractive sound to hear in your in your headphones, but I'm glad you made it this far. Uh, please subscribe to The Athletic. $1 a month for your first year. And, oh, by the way, you get to listen to all these episodes commercial-free if you want to do that. Subscribe, rate, review this podcast. We love five-star reviews, but we also love constructive criticism. Uh, if you say less mayonnaise eating, don't worry. You're going to get that. There will be no more mayonnaise eating on this show. I can promise you that. Thanks for listening. Talk to you after the game.